Hey guys, it's Liz, and you are listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, where we give people the chance to write a letter to their younger selves in hopes that we can learn a little bit from their lives. Hey guys, welcome to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, and I'm Liz, and I'm here with my friend Sarah Payne. Sarah, will you introduce yourself a little bit to all of our friends listening today? Yeah. Hey, guys. I'm Sarah, as Liz said, Sarah Payne. And um, I'm originally from Indianapolis, but now I live here in Huntington and have for the past five years. Uh, I got married to this guy you might know. His name's Ryan Payne. And yeah. he is part of a, a band you may have heard of called Attaboy. So that's how I first got connected to Huntington and to YFC. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked as a high school teacher for nine years and then transitioned when I got married to working with a company that now trains teachers in something called project-based learning. And so um, that's really fun for me. Mm. And then when I'm not doing that, I love being at the Y and working out and being outside and having a good cup of coffee. So Yeah. And so with your job, you travel a lot doing different conferences and stuff too, right? Yeah, I do get to travel some, especially in the summer because that's when teachers are off. So yeah. then I'm getting this, like this summer, I uh, went to Las Vegas and out to um, Oklahoma. So yeah, I get to go to some cool places. That's awesome. What do you What do you like about training other teachers? Well, it's so exciting in that I get to take the things that I learned and that really benefited my students and multiply that across thousands of classrooms. Yeah. It's it's cool because I I was also a teacher. So my background is education as well. And I you never stop. Like if you have a heart for teaching, you never stop teaching people. It's just the venue you do it in. And it's just so cool to be able to teach and train people to be the best at, at what they're doing. And so I love that you've been still like you've still been able to connect with that and educate people on different things and, and use your skills to help better others. So that's awesome. And it's been fun. They really do become my students. Like I just had a blast this week with some teachers. We were making cheer pyramids and (laughs) just being crazy. And so it still is, it's a classroom no matter if you're five or, you know, 55. So it's just, it's awesome. It's so, it's so fun. It's so fun. It's nice to be with people that like want to be there and want for the most part and want to learn and and grow and get better at what they're doing. So for sure. Yeah. Um, Well, I've known you for a long time. Well, it feels like a long time. Like probably you said five years, right? I've known you since you've you've come to Huntington and have been around and you help out with Campus Life. You lead a group of teenage girls in core on Thursday mornings to do to read the book of Acts and study the Bible together. And, you know, Sarah, you're just an advocate for YFC. And so I love being your friend and I love hanging out with you. But from just knowing your story and knowing who you are, I know that uh, you're, if you don't know the Enneagram, you're type one on the Enneagram. So if you're not yep. sure what that is, <laughs> go ahead and look it up. Uh, but, uh, so that's, that struggle to be a perfectionist and mm-hmm. to feel like success equals I did well on this. And so that like performance based value. And I know it's been a struggle most of your life. And so will you share a little bit about your journey from that, from like or an early age till now, how has that been for you? Yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, just some background about me. I, I grew up in a Catholic home and family, and my parents definitely loved Jesus and taught us about Jesus. But it was a really deep tradition coming down from my grandparents mm. and their parents. Yeah. And so um, our extended family life really ro- revolved around like church functions and sacraments, communion, reconciliation, baptism, all these things. And so I also went to a Catholic school, right? So I'm getting that as mm. part of the daily framework and praying the rosary. And so all all of these acts and doing yeah. and just traditions. And so um, we even had a most Christian attitude award. Okay. Right. And uh, <laughs> that was given out every year from okay. kindergarten, eighth grade to uh, a boy and a girl. And um, I received that every year for like nine years. In wow. A row. Wow. So I felt this incredible pressure. Yeah. To always be good and always do what was right. And, I mean, if I didn't get that award, I was, like, less Christian, yeah. Well, right? yeah. If, you, if you're known for the one that gets that award and you don't get it, you're like, what's up? Yeah. How did I yeah. mess up this year? <laughs> yes, exactly. And so then it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm failing Jesus. So yeah. it's just leveling up every year. And so I was really steeped in that workspace faith. And it was, you know, Jesus plus fill in the blank, whatever mm. good work. Yeah. And even, but even as a little girl, I was like, ah, there's more to this Jesus guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not just about the works. Yeah. And so I, I developed this goal or vision kind of as I transitioned into high school to that, well, the best way to show that I really love Jesus is to be this missionary. And so I started just applying that in my context in high school. And so, you know, I'm trying to be the nicest, the most kind, do all my work to this high level, you know, do, 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 and just like high, high, high achieving. And so I was actively sharing my faith with classmates and I'm reading my Bible. I'm involved in this church youth group, but I'm just living under this incredible pressure all the time to always be good and do good. So how did, how did that pressure that you felt? Because I'm sure that a lot of people can think back in a time where they felt this like pressure to, to perform or to, you know, be something. And uh, I don't know, what did that pressure feel like? So how did that affect your relationships with other people? Because I think sometimes we think like that pressure only affects me, but it always comes out and affects other people, whether it's you don't share as much because you have to be perfect or you keep people at a distance or you end up like, wanting other people to have the same performance as you do and then you get disappointed in others so how did that how did that look for you when you're especially with your relationships during that yeah so I think it probably played out in more of this like facade of everything's good I'm good you know there's there's not sin in my life or Mm. if there is it's hidden um, and I felt like ashamed or like guilty. I'm like, I know the thoughts I have about people. Yeah. I know what I'm really thinking about that person. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like there was a side of me that I that I couldn't show or be authentic about okay. or that was or because I had those thoughts and feelings that, again, somehow I'm failing. And, and so the way I likened it was really just kind of like this anchor attached to my ankle that was just pulling me Mm, under, 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 like underwater. And I probably um, throughout much of junior high and high school probably operated on some level of depression. Yeah. 
just a lot of feelings, a lot of sadness, a lot of a, a lot of aloneness. Mm-hmm. And so um, it it was very challenging. I had great friendships and relationships and felt close to people, but I didn't feel known yeah. by people. Yeah. Well, when you keep people at that distance where it's like they can't see my mistakes because I have to be this perfect image of what people think that I am, then if someone gives you a compliment, you think in the back of your head, well, if only they knew this, they wouldn't mm-hmm. say that. Or if somebody says, oh, they're my best friend, it's like, well, would you be my best friend if you knew this about me? It's always that like, if you really knew me, would you still want mm-hmm. me kind of doubts in your head because you're not letting anybody see the whole you. You're seeing people, letting people see these like different images of you and not just the whole picture. And so it's really easy to get that thoughts in the back of our heads where it's like, well, if only you knew, then you probably wouldn't think those things about me. I know I felt that yeah. way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. for sure. Yeah. A sense of unworthiness, right? Yeah. Like I am not worthy of this, but I don't want to really show you this part of me. Mm-hmm. And again, that authenticity piece of will I be fully loved? Will I be fully accepted? Yeah. If I do show mm-hmm. this less attractive part of me. Yeah. And it's def- it, it makes you feel isolated and lonely mm-hmm. and just even deeper into this sinking mm-hmm. waters that you feel like you are because you're just no one's there to help save you because you haven't asked anybody to be there because no one even knows you're there. And uh, it's just like the cycle of all of that. So those those lonely, isolating moments, you felt like that in high school Mm-hmm. Did it continue in college? I'm sure that college wasn't, you know, better or worse, or maybe it was. I don't know. What what did it look like in college for you? Yeah, so I definitely took with me that question of, isn't there more to this Jesus guy yeah. or to Christian faith than this? And I I really um I really dove in. And so it's kind of funny to me. I, I went to IU and I hear a lot of people say like, how surprising it is that you find Jesus at a secular college? Yeah, I'm like. Um, if you're looking for him, you're going to find him. Yeah, he's everywhere, man. <laughs> so there were a lot of people looking for him, you know, at college. And I, I came across a group of girls who came from different um, denominations or different faith backgrounds, but loved Jesus. Yeah. Thought, oh, okay. I'm I'm starting to see something different here. And the, I don't feel like they're living under that pressure. I feel like they're showing me some of their, their authentic selves. Mm, yeah. And um, I just really... I just really thought, okay, I need to figure out what the gospel really is. Like, what does this mean? And kind of separate it out even from this Catholic background or understanding of it. So I had that particular lens. And so I started um, going going to several Bible studies. Yeah. And I was going to the Catholic Church. I was also going to the Evangelical Church. Uh-huh. So I was just getting, like, kind of steeped in, like, okay, what is this? Yeah. And I it, – it was really several moments of – Bible studies and prayer and conversations and probably just the the work of the Holy Spirit that came together for me to really have an understanding of grace. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And it had never hit me before. Yeah. For whatever reason, in that moment, just the the clicking in, the understanding, oh my goodness, 
grace, mm. grace, this this beautiful grace, mm. not my works, not my filthy rags, yeah. not my attempts, just grace, and that it's this gift, yeah. this incredible gift. And it was Jesus plus nothing, mm-hmm. right? Jesus, just Jesus. Yeah. And it it was a flood of freedom and relief for me, and really just peace falling over me. And I just thought, I don't have to strive anymore. Yeah. I don't have to work mm. to earn His love. And the the words, "It is finished." There were never words that were more like more beautiful to me mm. and more real to me in that moment. Just to know that it was done. Just powerful. Yeah. Gosh, and the it's the weight of all of those years of pressure just being lifted finally is this like that's what freedom really is, right? Is that the freedom we, I mean, our our culture pursues freedom, and I'm doing bunny ears right now, like freedom of like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do, freedom from all of these things, but the freedom of somebody loves me just as I am, no matter what I do, and no matter what I accomplish, mm-hmm. I am accepted and loved for exactly who I am, and it's just Jesus is the most freeing thing. But a lot of people see it as, as as opposite. But it like it's so freeing to be like, I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to strive and just work and feel this, keep this image going. I can just let it all go, you know. And it, that weight I was talking about, that anchor attached to me, when I understood, and that was a gift of God. Yeah. That was the gift of grace uh-huh. to understand what grace is. Yeah. It's just incredible. But when that dropped, it it really felt like I was coming above the surface and could breathe for mm. the first time. Yeah, and just feeling just the warmth and the goodness of God on me, because it had been it had been cold and lonely. And he felt far mm-hmm. and the, the knowing that I didn't have to strive yeah. anymore because I, because I'm trying to earn this salvation. Mm-hmm. It's life changing. Yeah. Gosh, that is such a like powerful moment where it's like, it was all dark. And then all of a sudden someone flipped up the blinds. And you saw something that's always been there, but you just realized what it was. And it's like the sun has always been there. But if you're in a dark room with the blind shut, you're not going to see where the sun is. But once those blinds are flipped up, it's like, whoa, all this light is in. It's filling the room. And it is so different than my world a second ago before I had that realization of what it really was. And so when you when you had that moment what did you what did you do with it? Because I think sometimes we have these like powerful moments where we mm-hmm. realize something and then it's like, okay, what what do I do now? Like that I don't have to do anything. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, it was just this incredible well that started to bubble up inside me and overflow. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the striving and the works that I did beforehand were out of this motivation to please or because I thought I had to earn God's love. Yeah. 
And it shifted now to, I, I want to share about him and I want to get to know him and yeah. I want to do these things because he loves me yeah. and, and I love him. And I am so excited to just let people know that it it's for you mm-hmm. and you and you and all, it's for all of you, yeah. right? And so it just was this incredible, just, yeah, wait, I guess, bubbling, just mm-hmm. like, you know, you... you go out to nature and you hear the water and the bubbling brook or what it was just that inside me and so it really did overflow and this joy that I just hadn't had was there and my roommates noticed and the girls that um I was on the same floor with I I was living with my cousin my parents they're like what is going on and uh it just it was it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like noticing a big difference in you because you let it sink in. I think there's many times where we have these moments of cool realizations, but then we don't sit in it and we don't think about it and we don't let it actually transform us. And so there's little to no change in mm-hmm. us when we think back on that cool moment that we had. Right. But you you let it change you and it bubbled up and you wanted to share it with everybody because I don't know like I'm the kind of person that if I love something I'm going to tell everybody about how how cool this thing was that I just discovered or how great this band is or how much I love this like new restaurant because it's just like so awesome and we want to have that same vibe with Jesus right like we want to share him and be like this is the best thing that I have ever experienced and I want to tell everybody about it. When you were, so when you were at IU, secular college, right? Yeah. How, how did you, how did you share w- about Jesus with the people at IU and with your, your friends that maybe didn't have the same background as you or the same love for Jesus as you or any of that? Yeah. So I was involved in crew and I'd say that they, they had some different strategies for how to do that. I mean, we definitely practice kind of taking somebody through the the different aspects of the gospel um and we you know we would draw pictures or they had different booklets we could use but i i really found that that just helped me get more comfortable with just with just naturally infusing the gospel into conversations Mm -hmm. and i i found that relationally just getting to know people and developing a friendship with them and then just inviting them in and being authentic about yeah. my faith uh, and being authentic about, hey, I'm struggling with yeah. this or I'm, yeah, like I'm really upset pe- with this. Letting people actually know you. <laughs> yes. That's a huge difference. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I worked at the International Center at IU. So literally it was the world coming in through that office door Mm -hmm. and there were so many international students at IU and so I just also really developed a heart for the nations and for just sharing with people from other countries Mm -hmm. and so I started to work to pair um, Christians up with international students as conversation partners or have them take them home for Thanksgiving and it was just a really neat way to see these different passions that God had put into me then naturally overflowing into relationships and then building relationships with other people so they could share. So it was, it was a greenhouse effect on Mm -hmm. my faith 
that's that's really cool and just see the fruit of that of you know people getting to know each other and hearing each other's stories and like obviously in this podcast we care a lot about other people's stories and in youth for christ we care a ton about people's stories and so stories matter and sitting down and hearing people's stories sharing tables with them it is just a game changer when it comes to like just displaying your faith in an active way it, I mean, Jesus sat and shared a table with people and, and ate with people and, and hung out with them and learned their stories. So that that's I feel like that's huge, a huge thing to notice in that. And then, OK, so you have this big epiphany moment, mm-hmm. big change in your life. But it's super easy to go back to our old way of thinking, especially when we're under stress or when we have a lot going on or we're really busy it's, it's really easy to go back to our old thoughts and our old habits because, I mean, you had, you know, 20 years of thinking that way before this. And so what, how did you wrestle with that and break free from that in moments or how are you still starting with that now? Yeah, so I will say that it is a lifelong journey. I have to really, in a way, battle or go back to God's word and and just remind myself what is true about who he says I am mm-hmm. and what is true about my works, yeah. right? And I, I definitely did take that with me. I mean, after college, I went and worked overseas for a couple of years with Campus Crusade and and kind of had to, to learn that I don't thrive in a in a model where I have to record stats or I'm constantly looking for like, okay, is the next conversation a person I should yeah. talk with? It, it didn't work well for me, even though I thought I was going to do a lifetime of that. And um, I realized that because of the freedom I have and because of just that understanding of grace, it was already naturally infused into just my everyday living, yeah. into my conversations, into how I was going about life. And so it was actually less natural for who God designed me to be, to be in that setting. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to wrestle with that and really, you know, God really breaking my heart and showing me that um, this idea of what I thought it meant to serve him was really my idea and it gave me space and to come back and say okay like can I just love and serve you in simple ways and so I actually yeah. was a barista for a year at Starbucks and did a lot of dishes and made a lot of lattes and just <laughs> was in service and yeah. not didn't have that pressure all the time to like oh is this a is this a gospel conversation yeah. like Am I, you know, should I lead this into the gospel? And so it was just really resting in this, again, that freedom. Like, yeah, I am worthy because Jesus has made me worthy. Mm-hmm. And I just I just need to live. Yeah. Just live in the power of the Holy Spirit and live in his grace. And that will reflect to others. Mm-hmm. They're going to ask why. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to ask, what's different about you? What's, yes. why does she have a better attitude than everybody else? Why does like, why, why, why? And it's because you're f- filling yourself with Jesus. And um, I think one thing I noticed in your, in your story is that you were always surrounding yourself with 
Jesus or with faith-based conversations or even like you were going to church, you were going mm-hmm. to small groups, you were filling your time with a lot of that stuff. And I think a lot of times we, it's easy to get really busy with life and not go to those things and then be like, well, I don't, I'm not filled. I don't feel filled with the spirit. It's like, well, you're not filling yourself. Like you, you put out what you put in. Right. And so if you're filling yourself with the spirit, that's going to be the overflow mm-hmm. is that. But if you're filling yourself with TV and filling yourself with, you know, being busy all the time or, you know, fill in the blank with all of that, that's what's going to come out of you is those things. So even now when you have those moments where you go back to that pressure of feeling like you need to perform and, and you slip back into that and then you catch yourself, you're like, oh shoot, <laughs> that's, I do that all the time where like I go back to my old ways of thinking and then I catch myself and I'm like, ah, why was I thinking that way, Liz? Stop it. (laughs) And I try to break free from those things actively now. What are some of the ways that you you notice yourself kind of sliding back and how do you catch yourself from fully spiraling back to our old way of living? Yeah, so I challenged myself with an exercise in college because I was starting to realize that my time was filling up with all these good activities, right? Productive activities, God-centered activities. And I had to literally make a list of everything I was doing and pray over my priorities. Say, okay, these are all good. I care about these things, but where does God really have my heart right Mm. now? Mm -hmm. And what is most important to him? And that has been a a regular practice that I've had to repeat in my life because I do, I tend to say yes and I tend to fill the time and time with nothing in it is not productive time. And so I have to regularly battle that and create space and reprioritize. Say, okay, what is most important? Like one, what are my priorities and values? What are, what are God's priorities and values what does he put in my heart and then what what is best to invest in this season Mm -hmm. and so it is a regular rhythm and routine of reflecting and looking at rhythms and patterns in my life and saying oh this doesn't fit right now or yes this does and Really, one of my one of the verses that has carried with me for life is Psalm forty six ten. Be still and know that I am God. I have a hard time being still. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you know those two ideas are particularly paired together. I think because when we aren't still, when we aren't quiet, when we don't create space in our lives, we we don't know who is God mm-hmm. and we don't know who he is. That's really good. We start to forget. And so I actually just read this quote today. It it said, hurry is not from the devil. Hurry is the devil. Yeah. It, wow. It takes us away from fixing our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we think we're, we're doing good, mm-hmm. but what does God want? He wants us to be still and just like look intently into his face and see what he sees. Mm. And so that being still, I have to regularly infuse that into my daily pattern and life so that I am not the Martha 
and instead the Mary, Mm -hmm. like choosing what is best, choosing what is important. Yeah. And choosing to sit at the feet of Jesus instead of being the most productive, instead of getting the task at hand that needs to be done. Because even like, I love it that you were talking about how you were filling your schedule with really, really good things. Mm -hmm. And you had to take some of those good things away. Because if we have too many good things, they eventually become bad things. Right. And they eventually become the the thing that are hindering us and taking us Mm -hmm. away from God. And it's good to always, you know, maybe bring out your schedule and to look at that and be like, okay, what needs to be taken? If I'm feeling overwhelmed with my life right now, what needs to be taken off my plate? I am not indispensable where I, it's okay if I say no to things sometimes and have some have some boundaries with that. So I think that's a really awesome practice and, and a really, really healthy thing to do. So, and that be still and know, like, that's so true. Like, if you're st- if you're not still, you don't know who God is. You're just flying by the seat of your mm-hmm. pants, right? Like you you do not have your eyes fixed on Jesus if you're not taking that time to be still and recenter yourself every day to the true north of our Father and and following that. So that's that's huge. And I have a lot of people say, or I hear a lot of people say. I just don't have time for that right now, or I just don't have enough time, or I'm always so busy. And I just think everybody has the same 24 hours. Yeah. So our time reflects our priorities. Mm-hmm. If you aren't making time to be with Jesus, to be still with Jesus, to read his love letters to you, yeah. to hear his voice, then he's just not a priority in your life right mm-hmm. now. You have to be honest about that and yeah. not say, oh, it's... It's this season, right? There's too much. You just, there's still ways to connect with him. Yeah. And again, like make him a priority. So, and, and those little decisions to, to spend time with him then add up to a habit yeah. and a practice and a lifelong yeah. journey with him. So it's never too early or mm-hmm. too late to mm-hmm. start. Yes. That habit. Well, and it's it's quality over quantity, too. So you don't have to sit, have your Bible open for three hours every morning. Uh, but if you take some really intentional time and spend five minutes meditating on one verse at a time, that could be just as fruitful than the, the three hours where you're just sitting there and just reading. And though that would is great, too. But yeah, but yeah. If, if you're having a hard time doing that, it's quality over quantity for sure and that like god wants our hearts it really is him being with you and being in his presence throughout the ebb and flow of the day yeah and just really infusing those god moments you know throughout your living Mm -hmm. and that that's i think what he wants i mean he has designed all these different beautiful aspects of human life and he just i think just wants to join in us yeah. With that, you know, yeah. with that aspect of life, you know, whether it's making dinner or a workout or mm-hmm. a conversation with a friend, I, I think he just wants to be invited into that as well and not that he's this add on or yeah. this leftover or this task that you have to check off. Right. Right. Um, it's just that he's a relational God. He made us to be relational beings and he mm-hmm. just wants to connect. And so. You know, I think about that in in marriage or relationships. When you love someone, 
you intentionally make time to connect with them. Mm-hmm. And it would be so strange if I had, you know, gotten married and only like talked with Ryan once a week. Yeah. Right. So now some days I get to spend like a lot of time with him and other days it's just, hey, in the morning or at night. And that does look different, but I connect with him every day. Yeah. And so that's the kind of relational depth and intimacy God is looking for. Like he just wants to see how his children are doing. Mm -hmm. He just wants us to sit at his feet and look up at him. Yeah, that's good. So I know you mentioned uh, a few verses and Psalms that really helped you during those moments, but even other things where you keep going back to, to help you remember that about grace, to remember who you are in our father, especially when we start to slip back into our old habits. What are some verses that pull you back in or songs or even some of the resources that you've really, that have really helped you? Yeah. So one of the verses that I really love was actually based in a book that I was introduced to in high school called Heinz Feet on High Places. Okay. It's uh, by a lady named Hannah Hernard. And she references Habakkuk 3, 18 through 19. Okay. It talks about uh, this deer, right? And your your feet being formed basically so that you can go up on the heights, mm-hmm. right? So like a deer. And it says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God, my savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Mm. And so I I love that verse for so many reasons. One of them being I did feel so weighed down as a little girl and much into, you know, my years and moving into college. Yeah. And this idea of going on the heights, right? Going up to these high places and overlooking yeah. The valleys and the mountains, like being up there with my Savior, that is just beautiful to me. Just the fact that he's shaping me and using these experiences in my life to help me to go higher and higher with yeah. him. Taking you to the mountaintops. Taking me to the mountaintops, yeah. for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you know, in that book by Hannah Hernard, Hines Feet on High Places, the character is called Much Afraid. Okay. And it's just this whole story of her her basically mangled feet, right? Wow. Like her feet that are crippled being shaped by the good shepherd as mm. she journeys with him. And I just think about that a lot in my life. Like yeah. I'm being shaped. These weaknesses yeah. or these, you know, failures. Jesus is changing my feet to be like the feet of a deer so I can go up high with him. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So that has been definitely an encouragement to me. So another verse is Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hmm. So another a part of my journey, right, in that I, str- I struggled with was that, that feeling of failure yeah. and being afraid to try things or do things because I wouldn't be excellent or perfect at mm-hmm. them. And so I have dealt with just a lot of 
battling fear in my life. And so I've had to really be intentional about doing things that make me uncomfortable or that make me scared Yeah, because I have to remember like who I serve and who goes with me and who goes before me. And God knew that we would be afraid. He talks a lot about it in the Bible, encouraging us to not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And so that has been a real comfort to me because I do very much identify with that that character of much afraid. Yeah. And um, doing things that are stretching. Yeah. But because I love the Lord, I'm like, okay, I want to go with you to the heights. Yeah. He pushes us out of our comfort zone. So Sarah, right now, I would love for you to read your letter to your younger self. So a little, just a little bit of background about this. I had a friend send me a text just this morning that was an encouragement to me. And I knew that we were doing this conversation today. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is incredible because this is what I would have wanted to tell myself. Mm. So I'll go ahead and start. Dear younger me. I invite you to be free from striving to be right and perfect in order to be worthy of God's love and approval. You're already worthy, and his love for you is a free gift. He's not judging you. You can stop judging yourself. I invite you to say goodbye to the inner critic that constantly accuses you of not being good enough. I offer you freedom from your judging mind and the burden you carry to correct whatever doesn't live up to your standards. That's God's burden, and he's the only one who can make everything right and complete anyway. Acknowledge your simmering anger that the world isn't perfect and that you wish it was. He wishes it was too, but it isn't. It will be someday. Accept your imperfections and mistakes And receive his grace and compassion without conditions. Rest and play. He wants you to enjoy life with a light and grateful heart. Reclaim your true self. It's a glorious reflection of his holiness and righteousness. And move out to offer his goodness and grace to a world that needs it. Use your longing for perfection and your innate gift of seeing what needs to be improved to lovingly make the world a better place in some small way. Freely extend his gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and mercy to everyone he brings your way. Learn to find freedom in the stillness. Rest in his perfect love for you, and let it be a guide to loving yourself. Love, Sarah. Hmm. I I love it that you... like that letter just encouraged you to use the gifts that you've been given, this eye for perfection, this this desire to 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 be good at what you do, but to channel it to Jesus instead. Because I think sometimes we can look at ourselves and be like, I hate it that I'm this way, or I hate this about myself. But it's like God takes those qualities that we that we have channeled in the wrong direction, and He can take them and channel them in such a wonderful and beautiful way because he created you with those gifts. And so I think that is such a cool thing to point out that we can take those things and we don't have to be ashamed of who we are. Mm -hmm. We can just take them and just say, okay, you know what? I was focusing on the wrong thing and channeling, channeling these gifts in the wrong direction, 
but now I'm going to let God use them and use these gifts that he's given me. Instead of hating them, he's going to transform them and make them for him. And so I, I think that's that's awesome. And that's even more freeing, freeing, right? Like you don't have to even not like your perfectionist self because <laughs> you, because you're like, ah, this, my perfectionist is the one that beats me up all the time. It's like, no, like you can channel that into something even bigger than yourself, which is really cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, been there, I feel that, or that like desire to strive or to be perfect, or even that pressure to do works, especially if they're following Jesus, that per, that pressure to be the perfect Christian and to not have any problems mm-hmm. and to, you know, always win that award of best Christian attitude or, or any <laughs> of those things. What's some advice that you have for people that struggle with this? Yeah. So I used to live in a way that made me think that following God wasn't that fun. It was just a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. And I've come to realize, you know, Whatever you probably think it means to know God is a lot less fun than actually knowing God. Yeah. Right? Like he is an exciting, fun, adventurous God mm-hmm. who just has created so many incredible things for us to enjoy. So I think just having more fun yeah. in your relationship with God. Yeah. And just looking at these really amazing things that he's put in front of us as from him, right? Mm-hmm. He came up with the all the things, like things that are fun. Yeah. He came up with them. Yeah. And so just giving him credit for being just a fun God mm-hmm. and not just this God that's like, do better, do yeah. good. You know, like, here are all my rules, follow them. All of that is just so we have really full, abundant lives. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not hurting ourselves, right? Like God doesn't want you to right. drink and party all the time because it hurts you. He doesn't want you to gossip about each other because it hurts you. He does like all of these things that we're like, well, Christians can't do these things. It's like, no, anybody shouldn't do these things because it right. just hurts you over and over and over again. And so that that's so good. Like I love that. Having fun. Spoken like a, like a true person who has experienced the joy of God where some people are like, man, following these rules is just too much. But it's like, nah, have you had fun with God? When's the last time you had a dance party with Jesus? <laughs> When's the last time you like belly laughed because of his creation? Because a wonky animal just walked by you. And like, that is a hilarious, like, I don't know if you've seen those, those pictures of like the funniest animal pictures of the year. Oh, and they have like a slideshow of all these like hilarious pictures of animals. And it's just like, this just shows like God is hilarious. He has a sense of humor. It's so funny. It's, it's amazing. So yeah, have fun, be free, like be free of this like burden to portray this certain image and to be perfect because no one is perfect. People were drawn to Jesus, right? They were attracted to who he was. So I'm sure he wasn't this staunchy, boring guy that was just this follow all the rules Mm -hmm. and like everything by the book. People aren't attracted to that. I really believe he loved laughing Mm -hmm. and he probably cracked jokes and he was fun to be around. And so if we aren't reflecting those qualities as Christians and if it's just like work, 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 do, do, do. People aren't going to be really attracted yeah. to Christianity, mm-hmm. right? So I think we're missing, again, what it means to have that abundant life yeah. with him. 
yeah. Gosh, Sarah, this this has been such a, a fun and really fruitful, good conversation. And even just a good reminder to me to just sit at the feet of Jesus, to be still and to experience his grace. Because life gets really busy and it's really easy to forget doing that. And so thank you for the reminder for me to, to do that as well. And I hope that everybody at home can just pause for five minutes mm-hmm. and just reflect on who Jesus is to you today. And if you do that, then just maybe do 10 minutes the next day or, you know, whatever you, whatever you need to do for that. But Sarah, it has been a privilege to sit down and talk to you and to hear your story and to be your friend and to work side by side with you in ministry and all of that wonderful stuff. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for inviting me and let's keep having fun for Jesus. Of course, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, and everybody at home, thank you so much for listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me. I hope that you guys enjoyed Sarah's story and hearing more about this. Make sure you guys leave us a review, like us on all of the social media things um, and share it. Share this story. Share this with other people. And if you know someone who struggles with this, send this to them as an encouragement because, man, our stories matter. And hearing other people who struggle with the same things we do, it matters a lot. So today, guys, I hope you learned a lot more about Sarah, a lot more about yourself, but even more about God. Go out and have an awesome day.